All right, we are addressing uh, membership. We're in that time when we renew our membership forums on, on our, in our Pentecost service. We will actually uh, recommit ourselves both to God and to each other for the next year. Um, and as we do that, I've explained membership as being a part of an active body or a group, um, not simply as being on a list or a roster. And we also talked about the types of memberships, then we looked at the requirements for becoming a member, which predominantly is baptism, profession of faith by baptism, and in our case, an annual covenantal commitment. Um, in, in, there are reasons why that is done annually. I'll uh, talk a little bit more about that uh, uh, maybe next week. Uh, but today I want to talk about the responsibilities of membership. Uh, a lot of this stuff is stuff you all know. But it's important for us to reinforce it and to uh, think about it and to be able to explain it to others, uh, particularly in a day when churches are dropping the idea of membership altogether. So I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, uh, beginning at verse 22. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, the scripture says, let us draw near. That draw near, that approaching God, is one of the words for worship. That's one of the concepts of worship, is uh, approaching God. Uh, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, uh, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So we're told basically that we are to approach God. We approach God in this transformation that happens with our profession of faith that addresses the inner man and baptism showing that externally. And then he said, because all of us are saved, in other words, our whole person is saved, including the body which will be resurrected. Then he says, uh, that we are to hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God doesn't waver. His promise is certain. But you know as well as I do that as we live through this world, we begin to have doubts and questions and concerns. And one of the things that happens is when we drop the, the habits of our faith, when we drop the spiritual disciplines of our faith, then those things tend to get uh, more uh, problematic for us. So then he says, uh, and let us consider how to stimulate one another. King James says provoke. Uh, stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Because the commandments are about love and, and the mitzvot are all the extensions of that love. The commandments in that sense, the good deeds that we do. And then he says, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some is. Uh, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. One of the reasons that we have a local congregation is to do just this. To assemble, to provoke one another to love and good works, to reinforce one another, to encourage one another, to establish one another, because it's easy to just kind of fall apart in that context. So what a congregation does is it gathers together uh, to worship or pray. It gathers together for discipleship or instruction. 
It gathers together for fellowship or body ministry or life, the gifting of ourselves to one another through our spiritual gifts, and to reconcile relationships and to make judgments as to how we should live our life. Those four require those four functions of the congregation are actually where the responsibilities of membership uh, lie. And so I'm going to take these in turn with a verse for each one. I could do a whole thing on them, but I'm just going to give you a kind of a, a, a representative verse. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what this is in general. And then I'm going to talk specifically about the expectations of membership in the Disciple Center. And one of the things that's kind of different about us is that most congregations think that their activities are the activities that happen on Sunday or Shabbat in the building and maybe in an organized program Bible study during the week. That is the minimal minimal, minimal part of this. Most of what should go on should go on beyond those things. And so I'm going to talk about that. So we begin with 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Just one verse here. Um, Paul is talking uh, to Timothy And in the process of that, he says, Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Now, this is the synagogue gathering that Paul is talking. He's telling Timothy, in his absence, to make sure that you give attention to the worship services, if you will. Services that were developed from the tabernacle and temple liturgy into the synagogues and were then borrowed over into the early uh, ecclesias or what we might call churches or assemblies. So worship involves the approaching of God through liturgy. Liturgy is an ordered arrangement of scripture, prayer, confessions, and testimonies that follow a religious calendar. And for Judaism and Christianity, this is tied to both the home and the congregation. Uh, These things are done in the home, they're done in the congregation. The synagogue, or the assembly, is a weekly gathering, usually on Shabbat or the Lord's Day, which provides the weekly minimal participation in this approaching of God. Uh, So this is an important part. In many cases, that's all people think of when they think of belonging to a church. Well, I go to this church. Um, And it's not really about going to worship services. It's about gathering. Dr. Lewis talks about this a lot when he says, you would not say I'm going to family. Some of you will be going to family on Monday for Memorial Day. But you don't go to family. You are family. The family gathers. And that's what the congregation does. The congregation gathers. And that gathering may be at the sanctuary, but it could be anywhere. If two of you are, are two or three are somewhere in uh, Orange County or Riverside and you happen to, to see each other and you're there, that's the gathering of the body. That's, that's gathering of family. That's gathering of congregation. So, the Disciple Center expectations are that our homes and our congregation uh, make a habit, that means more often than not, 
to acknowledge the Sabbath and to gather either on the Sabbath or the Lord's Day for liturgical worship. Now, people are always say, what's the minimum time that, that I should gather? The congregation gathers every week. And the expectation is that unless there's a real reason that you are there, not because we're checking off attendance, but because we're not to forsake that assembling of ourselves together in that context. Because some people make a habit of not going. How do you know it's a habit? A habit is something you do customarily or regularly. In other words, it's the default setup. Okay? Uh, many of you have a habit that you go through in the morning, your morning routine, but if something serious came up, you would alter that habit for whatever is going on. But you wouldn't say, I'm going to see how many things I can put in my schedule that get in the way of that morning habit. You just wouldn't do that. So the, it's interesting that it uses the idea of habit here. Now we further expect that our households will observe the major holy days of Judaism and Christianity with some level of participation in the home and or the congregational services. And you know, we've done that a lot. This depends a lot for you depending on small children and uh, uh, how much work it is with the kids and the timing as to whether you observe the holy days in your home or when we gather. And we make it available in the congregation, but we don't want that to substitute for what you do in the home. I would far rather you did something uh, in the home than that you only came here and participated. Uh, because that is much more critical for children. Now, I don't want you to do the home and not do here, because what that tends to do is isolate you from other members. But the participation in the home and the uh, congregation for the holy days is important. Now, we encourage that you participate also in some way in the minor holy days. So, for example, uh, uh, Tish B'Av will be coming up, which is the uh, kind of the Jewish day of everything that's ever gone wrong in history. It's primarily about the destructions of the temple, but there are other events that are tied to that. And the book of Lamentations is usually read. Now, we're not going to have a service here, but it's important to read the book of Lamentations and to think about the difficulties that have happened to God's people uh, over the years, and yet God remains faithful. It is in the book of Lamentations that the scripture says, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, your mercies I see. That song that we sang earlier is from the book of Lamentations, even though the entire book is mostly about how awful it is after the destruction of the temple. Those verses are encapsulated in it as a reminder that even though it's dark and things are problematic, the Lord is with us and He will, he will watch us. He is our hiding place, as we sang earlier. So, in the congregation then, we expect each adult uh, and confirmed teenagers are adults in the congregation, that they will participate by being a reader, doing the praying, uh, giving testimony, uh, and those kinds of things, including 
the ringing of the bell, the opening of the ark, the sounding of the shofar. Now, I'm very open to including children in the ringing of the bell and the sounding of the shofar. I thought that was wonderful this morning. Uh, because I want them to see these adult things that they are anticipating wanting to do uh, themselves. And that's really important. Uh, I love it that the parents have the children stand with them when they do the readings, when they do the prayers. I think this is really critically important. And so it's important that you do that and probably should make sure that your minimum participation in that is about four times a year. Now, you can do it every month. You can, whatever your custom is, but you shouldn't go months at a time where you haven't done any of the readings or the prayers or any of those things because this is a participatory uh, liturgy in that sense. Now, beyond those expectations, there are other things that you can do. For example, uh, uh, you can come early and do the lighting of the candles and you can do the... uh, 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 You can preach the sermon, right? The... The scriptures teach us that all the members of the body can function in what their faith maturity level and their ability and their training can have them do. And so those things are important uh, and we want you to uh, participate in that uh, at the level of your faith and development. And clearly remember that the Disciple Center is in part a lab. It's not a performance house. This is not about where can I be the next Disciple Center idol. We don't have idols in here, right? Uh, It's where can I grow in grace and in knowledge in my participation. And the goal of being able to do as much of what we do as possible is that in the event that we are unable to gather as congregation for natural disaster purposes or persecution purposes, God forbid, we have the ability in our homes to gather as families and as groups of families to continue this process because we know where we are in the religious calendar. We know what the services are. We're able to do that. So the actual doing of it is is critical in that sense. We also expect that people will participate in first fruits in Zadaka and in participatory offerings. Uh, uh, and many of those offerings are voluntary offerings, uh, like the Thanksgiving offerings. And so as people do that, it, it reinforces the congregation and it also allows uh, those growing up to learn how to do those things. So the, the more formal congregational stuff should be being transferred with a parallel into your homes at your family altar, your Shabbat service, whatever you do, so that you and your children have the experience of God being in your home and you being in his house in in that sense. Now the second one is discipleship or instruction. And our passage for that is 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3, uh, beginning at verse 13, the scripture says, According to his promise, that's that hope that the book of Hebrews was talking about, we are looking for a new heaven 
and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Now, spotless has to do with holiness, and blameless has to do with righteousness, being holy and righteous. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and the unstable distort, as they do the rest of the scriptures, to their own destruction. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you will not be carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Now, this faith is not intuited. This faith is learned. This is a literate faith. One of the reasons that we bring out the Torah scroll and we bring out the Gospels every week, and we keep the children in here, is I want them not to become cavalier about Bibles. I want them to know that our Bibles that we have in our hands are translations and copies of these texts and these texts have been given to us by God to tell us how to live and that we have to learn them. That requires us to read, requires us to think, requires us to reflect, it requires us to study. Not in the way of trying to be better than others, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies, but in a way that they realize that we're never done learning this faith. I am always amazed how much more I need to learn of this faith. And I'm more advanced than a lot of people in the faith. But it is a literate learning faith. And we are to grow in grace. God's grace allows us to grow. And in the knowledge of the Lord. And that's really important. So uh, we do this by being observant or practicing believers. Jews use the term traditionally observant Jew. Christians tend to use practicing uh, Catholics. It's the same thing. It's being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Uh, And this is done by direct obedience or the struggle with obedience to the commandments and the covenants of God and the development of spiritual disciplines. So the growth and grace is done based on our age and maturity, and it involves formation of our children, the transformation of converts, and in many of our cases, remedial discipleship, because we didn't get it as kids or as converts. So the Disciple Center expects that members are developing and becoming more mature in the Lord. It's one of the reasons we take our survey every year uh, during the month of Elul Uh, up to Yom Kippur. It's not to say, oh, how did I fail this year, but how am I growing? And I I think this is important. My experience, my first experience with church people, I noticed as I was involved in ministry and in other things, that there were a lot of people who were, I I thought, fairly mature. And uh, I was longing to be at their level of maturity. 
And then I realized I was growing in grace and in knowledge, but they were stagnant. And pretty soon I passed them. There are a lot of people who are in churches, and if you go in, if you knew them 20 years ago in that church, they're where they were 20 years ago. They're just doing the same thing over and over and over. There's no growth, no development, no discipleship in them. And that's not true of any living being. Trees put out new branches and new uh, root systems and flowers rebloom. That, that just being the same thing over and over is not healthy. So this is done through our spiritual disciplines. So we expect our disciple center members to become more mature in the Lord through regular personal Bible reading and study that's related to the parshas and the portions that are found in the lexicons. And that's why we put that in the newsletter and we put that in the, um, uh, in, uh, on Twitter and we put it on Facebook. And it's everywhere trying to make sure that you have it. It's in the, the Book of Common Prayer so that you have access to it. We also have the little brochures in the back that have the Torah schedule so that you are reading that and studying that and your family is doing that as well. Uh, secondly, we expect that you're engaged in re- regular prayers based on the traditional prayers of Judaism and Christianity. And this involves praying uh, with regard to our meals, uh, praying uh, in the morning prayers, in the evening prayer, whatever your tradition is. Uh, mine has always uh, been the 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Uh, time of the sacrifices where I, I tie in my prayers uh, there are people who do kind of Daniel 9, noon, and 3. There are other people that do morning and night. I, I'm not as concerned as to what the schedule of your prayer life is, but that you have a prayer life uh, in that context and that you're growing in that, in that way too. And prayer is one of those very... It's really easy to pray when there's an emergency. We are, nobody has trouble praying when there's an emergency. It's when there's not an emergency and life is in the way and you just don't set the time aside uh, to do that. And it's amazing how we do cues. Uh, I tend to arrive at the, at the university during the normal schedule uh, about 9 in the morning. And so it has been uh, pretty common for me then to just walk into the little chapel uh, or face Jerusalem and do my prayer at that point. Well, in the summer, I'm not arriving there then. I'm arriving. I, so I was driving the, a couple of weeks ago. I drove in there at 4 o'clock when I'm getting ready for my afternoon class. And I got out and I started saying my morning prayers. And I thought, oh, you left the whole morning out. You know, this should be the evening prayer. What are you thinking? It's because I was so... it was. It was tied into a habit, but it wasn't anchored itself. And so I thought, I've got to work on this. I've got to cue myself for that, for that purpose. So part of this is growing in, in that context as well. We expect that the Disciple Center members will engage in some level of regular fasting and self-denial as a spiritual discipline related to the holy days and personal needs. So, for example, the most common ones are Yom Kippur and Good Friday, right? Or uh, some level of self-denial during Lent. But at other times, that spiritual discipline of self-denial is an important part of, of our discipleship. 
And then the instruction and catechism of our children in the home, which is then supplemented by the instruction uh, of the adults through sermons and the children through the lessons. Uh, clearly, you're not going to get full discipleship just from a sermon. They're not going to get it from a lesson. We've got to be talking about these things and reading and, and learning uh, in that context as we continue our instruction and the catechism of our children. And then we expect that our congregation, because we're multi-denominational, will, that you will find training in discipleship beyond the congregation. So there are many people in the congregation who have input from First Fruits of Zion or maybe another congregation or a Bible study that you go to. That information, as you test it to see if it's biblically sound, needs to be shared with the congregation so that we are, we are learning together. We are, we are classmates, if you will, and, and the helping uh, share what this one, I read a book about this, oh, I didn't read that book. That you should read the book or don't. I can tell you in two paragraphs what that book says and now you can go on to something else, right? So that's part of this process. So uh, that's discipleship and instruction. What about fellowship and body ministry? Let me say that I believe that this section that I'm about to talk about should be the bulk of your time. Okay? The gathering together for the formal worship is minimal, and that's generally true with instruction, but then we live. So if you think about how much time do you spend eating in the day versus other activities in the day, in most cases, there are exceptions, most cases we have some short periods of time where we eat, and then we're kind of using that energy in the other way. So this is where you use all of those spiritual disciplines in the body life and the community life. So our passage is Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 11 through 16. Paul says, God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets some to be evangelists and some as pastor teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we will no longer be children, tossed here and there by waves, and carried around by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and crafty, deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, that means speaking the scriptures in love to one another, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. The body of the Messiah, like a family and like a community, as a whole and in the local communities, is a living entity indwelt by the Spirit of God. And each one of us is a part of that body. And we each have a function. Some of our functions overlap and some of them are, are unique. 
And we're supposed to be building up and edifying uh, that holy community as a manifestation of God and Christ to the world and as a witness to the kingdom that is to come. So that requires that we become good stewards of our resources, our time, our relationships, and our giftedness as God has provided for us uh, and both in us and through us. So the Disciple Center expects that our members will be good stewards and improving stewardship of their time. That means our life cycle events, uh, making the congregational members a priority in our fellowship. In other words, we need to spend time with each other, not just sit in the same room together. And that's what the the eating after the service is. That's what inviting people into your home for Shabbat is. That's when uh, helping each other out uh, involves. That's uh, when some of the women get together in parks with the kids. And, and when you uh, do vacations together with each other. It's, it's being in each other's lives on a regular basis. Much more than just an hour or two uh, a week in the formal setting. But really being in each other's lives. Now, for some of us that can happen because we work where someone else in the congregation works or we live in a neighborhood where someone else works and we can be over in their house. In some cases, it's going to require a little more work, but we have to find a way over the year to make sure that we're in the lives of others. We know what's going on in their life and, and they know what's going on in our life. Secondly, uh, our resources then become a mutual benefit through tzedakah and sharing. Uh, sharing knowledge that we have, sharing uh, items that we have. Uh, we try to make it a habit uh, if we're not going to keep something to see if someone in the congregation could use it. Uh, we don't just have to wait till someone has a need. Sometimes there's something that, that they could just use, right? And so being thinking that way, that the congregation, what, where could this be used in the congregation is, is part of that process uh, of resources. And certainly Zedekah is, uh, is part of that as well. Then relational connections by loving each other. Loving each other is really this idea of maintaining some unity and relational connectedness with each other and doing the commandments towards each other, uh, being beneficial to each other. What I have uh, in gifting, I can use for the benefit of the congregation. What others have in gifting, they can use in benefit of me. Right, Those kinds of things. And we've got people who are mechanically oriented and we have people who are mechanically deficient. I'm one of those. Uh, we have people who are uh, very good at hospitality. We have people who are not so good at hospitality. We have people who can open their homes because they have a home they can open that works with large groups. Other people have a very small place and they can't, they can't do that. So it's learning to use your giftedness, your resources and your time in a way that allows the gathering of the congregation in a broader context than just this place. Why is this important? The day may come, God forbid, but the day may come when we don't have this. Either because we can't afford it or because we don't have access or we're forbidden 
And we've got to already have built in these relational frameworks. Uh, most of you don't have a family uh, function that happens at a facility that the family bought and keeps only for those family functions, right? You go to each other's house, you go to a park, you go to the beach. You, you, we have to, that's how the body life operates. And I believe that body life in a congregation is, is the thing that will tell you if that congregation is alive and well. You're not going to know by who, how many people are coming to worship. Because in most churches, that's just a show and people come and leave. It's whether or not people are actually interacting in each other's lives. I am always overwhelmed when I hear the testimonies of what this congregation does in other congregational members' lives. Now, are we doing it perfectly? No. But we are at least struggling in the right direction with that. And I'm, I've been thrilled with that. I want to encourage that all the more as we move towards the day of the Lord's coming. So using your gifting, your natural and spiritual uh, gifts for the benefit of the congregation, for the edification of the body and the care of the needy is really an important part. I have one more thing. I'm going to pick up more with this next week, so let me just finish it quickly. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 and 32, so coming right off of the same chapter, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. This is about the idea of judgment and reconciliation. No community of relationships can operate perfectly. There are no perfect families. There are no perfect marriages. There are no perfect parents. There are no perfect children. There are no perfect churches. There are no perfect schools. They're just, you know, they all, they'd be perfect if they didn't have people in them, but they have people in them, and we all, we all are seriously flawed. Um, we are sinners, and we live in a fallen world, but we are to live with others. We are to be communal and relational, especially in this kind of a community where we are to be at peace with one another. So to do this, we have to be slow to take offense, we have to be honest in our forgiveness, and we have to seek reconciliation over retribution, not necessarily our nature. So the Disciple Center expects that our members will work to avoid being an offense to others, especially among ourselves, but also to those outside the congregation, so that Christ and God will not be mocked through us. And when we have offended, we seek to confess, to restore to make restitution and show evidence of our repentance. We also expect that minor issues, we will be slow to take offense, slow to wrath as God is, because our goal is to avoid any need for a formal process of correcting and rebuking each other. That may happen and has happened in the past, but how we handle this uh, 
and how we avoid it and how we process it is something I need to take some time in. So I'm going to do that in the next sermon, but I wanted to at least tie it in here. So these are the four things we do. A level of worship in home, in personal life and in congregation. An ongoing discipleship, particularly related to spiritual disciplines. Fellowship with one another and being in each other's lives and interacting with each other so that we don't have a loss of of relational continuity. And then a desire always to be reconciliatory towards each other so that the unity of the Spirit in the bond of love and in the bond of peace is seen. That's the expectations of a Disciple Center member. And that's what we really covenant ourselves together each year to struggle and work towards that that end. So, let's pray.